From the studios of Advancing Vibrant Communities in Modesto, California, this is Lighthouse Live Radio on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. And good evening to you, wherever you may be around the world. Pastor Mike Douglas here. Welcome to Lighthouse Live. With us, of course, our producer and co-host, Elaine Harlan, and uh, yours truly. And you know, Elaine, uh, I don't know if you've seen another the commercials on television. Um, have you seen those where it has this this wise, bearded guy, and it says, you know, the the most interesting man in the world. And there's there's people hanging around him, and that, unfortunately, it's like a, a beer commercial or something. Oh, I think, but okay. usually we, the best ones are. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, well, we we have at least the second runner-up to the most interesting man of the world uh, tonight yes, with us, uh, Dick Haggerty, yeah. and uh, we're going to have you meet uh, Dick. Uh, I'm sure many of you here in the Central Valley already know him, but uh, to those of you around the world, want to introduce you to him in a couple of minutes. Going to talk about uh, a heart for the community, a heart for the city. And the great way that uh, that God is using him and and a great vision uh, for reaching our our community and improving it. We'll talk to Dick in a couple of minutes. Uh, By the way, of course, you know, friends, uh, Big John Engel, the Ever Ready Bunny here at ABC, is uh, in his mid-70s. And he can run circles around the rest of us. He's out there right now in the 100-plus degree heat. Uh, having crews build wheelchair ramps for people, uh, installing grab bars, you name it. And uh, John, John has a list of what we call genreisms. He does. He yes, does. He and does. and one of the, you know he has genreisms like, you know, Mike. There's two sides to every pancake. Or he'll say about someone who's uh, not old but mature. Mm-hmm. He'll say, oh, he's got a lot of bark on him, Mike. Mm-hmm. You know, or mm-hmm. uh, he'll uh, he'll say, you know, you need to just go really. You need to. Relax and lay in the weeds for a while. Well, John, you know, if, if he gets injured in the field, uh, you know, if he gets a cut. Now, you and I would probably go to the ER with a major cut. Not John. He, he brings out the duct tape, and he just duct tapes it. Yeah. And you ask him, well, John, what happened there? Oh, you know, I'll cut off my finger. It's okay. I put duct tape on it. You know, it doesn't, doesn't bother him a bit. And one of his... His uh, things, you know, when you have aches and pains and 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 such, and and at his age, you know, he's he's getting a few. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of his recommendations is horse liniment, right? <laughs> and he's come in here smell like a horse a Seriously. couple of times because he's horse. Does. But I, I want to tell you, in today's Modesto B. Now, those of you listening live, it's the 28th of June. We're coming up on Independence Day, but 28th of June, 2010. And the Modesto B. Today, there is actually a little. Uh, advertising uh, about two inches square deal there and it's from walgreens and it actually says for arthritis sufferers 
horse liniment. There you go. Available now at oh Walgreens. Yeah. So John knew what he was talking about all, all the time. And if he comes in later, we'll uh, we'll let him know about the guy that. Guy with and a lot of bark on him. Got the guy with a lot of bark wow. on him. And speaking of having a lot of bark and something to back it up with, let's talk to Brad Dacus in the Pacific. Oh no, let's go to the Voice of the Martyrs first. We'll be right back. Hey, what's up? This is Toby Mack with news about another real-life Jesus freak. In 1977, Janani Luam is arrested for defying cruelties inflicted by international terrorists and president of Uganda, Idi Amin. Before he is shot to death, Janani says, I am prepared to die in the army of Jesus. I preach the gospel with all my might, and my conscience is clear before God that I have not sided with the present government, which is utterly self-seeking. Whenever I had the opportunity, I have told the president the things the church disapproves of. God is my witness. Janani's courage makes me ask, what are my duties in the army of Jesus? How do you respond to the voice of the martyrs? Go online to persecution.com. Just a reminder, friends, to pray for our persecuted uh, brothers and sisters around the world. You know, we take so much for granted uh, here in America, and at least for right now. We have the freedom to do things like meet together and pray and have uh, podcasts and broadcasts and, and such. But remember, around the world, there are pastors being imprisoned every day and uh, there are people suffering uh, for their faith. So we ask you to, A, keep them in prayer, and B, take advantage of the freedoms God has given us to exer- exercise your faith to the fullest uh, right now. And speaking of exercising your faith, here is Brad Dick. It's time for The Legal Edge, a look at your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. And now, with a look at what's happening on the legal front, the president of the Pacific Justice Institute, Brad Dacus. The case of a youth pastor arrested in a California mall in 2007 was just heard in an appellate court this week. You see, Matthew Snatchko's crime was having a conversation about faith with other shoppers at the Roseville Galleria Mall. But Pacific Justice Institute's attorney, Timothy Smith, argued in the 3rd Appellate District Court in Sacramento that the mall's rules violate California's free speech guarantees. This relatively obscure case has huge implications for all of us. You see, singling out religious speech for punishment violates our most basic of principles of free expression as Americans. I'm Brad Dacus. To find out more about The Legal Edge, call 916-857-6900 or log on at pacificjustice.org. And we're back with you on Lighthouse Live. Take a quick look at the Volunteer Center of the United Way's Lend-A-Hand List Community Hospice, and we're loving it already. And Trucking for Hospice invites bikers, car enthusiasts, and truckers to rev it up. We kind of like that, too. Raising funds for community hospice and hospice of San Joaquin on Saturday, July 31st, presented by the California Trucking Association. Uh, This ninth annual motorcycle car rally event begins in Stockton and travels through Copperopolis, Jamestown, and Oakdale with unique stops along the 100-mile ride complete with refreshments poker hands and a chance to win great prizes and concludes with a fabulous barbecue music and a raffle drawing in Modesto. You also get a commemorative t-shirt to go along with that. Pretty cool. Volunteers ages 16 years and older needed to help out with the event to kind of clean up and tear down the tables and all those kinds of things. 3.30 p.m. individuals and businesses are also asked to get involved with this. Since 2002, 3,600 riders 
have raised a whole bunch of money. We're talking $400,000 to support services for terminally ill patients during their final days by providing in-home care or caring for patients at Community Hospice's Alexander Cohen Hospice House or Hospice of San Joaquin's Hospice House. You know, we really get behind this, and we encourage you to do the same. You know, I, I, I perform, I don't know, somewhere between 80 to 100 funerals a year, and a lot of those uh, folks, the family members, have uh, used hospice, mm-hmm. and a fair amount of them have uh, been involved with the Cohen House as well. I have never, ever had anyone tell me they had a bad experience with hospice. Mm-hmm. It's just a wonderful organization. And by the way, friends, if it sounds like the Harrier uh, is taking off in the <laughs> background or the aircraft is not taking off, it's uh, 104 degrees or yeah. something here in Modesto, and we decided to keep the air conditioning on. So uh, if you're in Timbuktu or Lower Slobovia, don't adjust your dial. It's uh, it's uh, just that background noise there. Yeah. Right. You know, another uh, worthwhile organization that we partner with is Haven Women's Center mm. here in Stanislaus County, assisting victims of domestic violence and rape and sexual assault. Haven providing shelter and support services for women and their children uh, affected by domestic violence and assisting the victims with temporary restraining orders and uh, providing support. Uh, and advocacy to survivors of sexual assault. Volunteer opportunities include trauma response, hospital response to domestic violence, uh, shelter and crisis line support group facilitation, peer counseling, shelter and child care, youth groups, a legal program and staffing information tables. Haven will be conducting a 72-hour training series for all volunteers uh, from August 2nd through September 14th. Classes are held Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday evenings from 5.30 to 9.30. Interested volunteers must register before July 30th to take part in this informative and beneficial training. Registration will be closed after the 20th uh, for confirmed applicants. All volunteers must be 17 years of age, pass a fingerprint background check, and be accepted into the volunteer program. And Central Valley Trojans, I know that sparks some interest, uh, Pastor Mike's corner of the table. Share your love of football and knowledge of the game with boys and girls, a really fun thing to do. Adult volunteers ages 21 and older are needed to coach and condition young football players or cheerleaders for upcoming games and competitions. Youth volunteers ages 15 to 20 also needed to help the coaches. Volunteers mentor as needed and help out in development via leadership by example, you bet. Practices and games are held weekday evenings and Saturdays, depending on the level coached, beginning July 13th through November 27th. How did it get to be July already? I don't know. I'm still stuck back in last August. I'm stuck in the 60s somewhere. But this happens (laughs) at Castleburg Park uh, in Riverbank. Although a good understanding of the game or cheerleading experience is valued, it's not necessary. Adult volunteers must pass a background check Central Valley Trojans is a competitive youth and cheerleading program instilling teamwork, yes, respect, outstanding athletic and academic performance, judgment, accountability, nobility, and sportsmanship in boys and girls from ages of 6 through 14, and that would last for a lifetime. Amen. Any questions on any of these items? Our dear friend Barbara Borba can be reached at 209-524-1307, extension 113. She's always happy to answer her phone for you, or you can email her at bborba at uastan.com.
org. And here uh, on our home front at AVC, you can check out our uh, daily update page. You'll find current needs like light housekeeping and, and meals for a Modesto disabled woman who can no longer do those things for herself. I can connect you with her by simply giving us a call here. A Modesto mom separated recently with six children. Uh, ra age ranging from eight months to 17 years of age, and they have needs for a baby bed, a high chair, and, and a walker, things like that. And right now, with these temperatures soaring the way they are, we have needs uh, for air conditioning units, fans, and things like that, and, and things for you to uh, check on your neighbors, if you will, just maybe a simple phone call and say, hey, you know, are you all right? A lot of people don't have the means to cool themselves at this time of the year. They, they yeah. don't, and uh, during these very hot seasons, actually, there's a very high mortali mortality rate for uh, older men who are single, uh, widowed or, or whatever the circumstance might be, but uh, they're alone. Uh, a generational thing is they don't want to turn on the air conditioner if they have it because it costs money, and a lot of them die in those hot little mobile home boxes during the summers. So we encourage you, if you're near a mobile home park, uh, go over there, knock on some doors, uh, meet some people, and, and especially check on those that you know may be in the park. And if you'd like some ideas, we have plenty of clients for you to connect with. And, uh, you know, the fans are important. Uh, they help. But the problem is the fans circulate the hot air, what you have to do to save lives is actually bring down the ambient temperature mm -hmm. in that mobile Very home. Important. And uh, so sometimes those uh, those uh, portable coolers are really, really a lifesaver, and we'd be happy to make some connections if you have one to give. And we have to remember that a lot of these uh, elderly and disabled folks don't have uh, family to check on That's them, right. so That's we right. have to be uh, those neighbors to do that. And I don't know if we threw out our phone number to you, but let's do that now, 209-544-9571. Again, 209-544-9571. Well, you know, to uh, look at this week's guest uh, bio, Dick sent a bio to us early on, and, and all that he's I've got the volume got right the vol here. I'm telling you, it's pretty young. thick, isn't it? It's thick volume. All that he cares about, <laughs> all that he's had his hands into. Let's see, if I think if Dick were to run for president, I think he'd have my vote, you yeah. know? I think so. Your career mirrors uh, Mike's a little bit, Dick, in that it is so varied. I mean, you have done a wide variety of things in your lifetime. How did you fit all that in? How did I fit all that in? Uh -huh. I didn't. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> I'm did. I'm still working on it. Oh, my goodness. Uh, serving is not new to you. Serving is wonderful. Serving is what keeps me, keeps me going. You know, I don't like to admit this, but I'm 70 years no old. I'm going to be 71 next month. and. Uh -huh. uh, I'm still climbing mountains, going to climb Half Dome later this summer. Is that right, really? I'm still going 100 miles an hour and traveling the world, and uh, that's what keeps you're me like young. You're like John, that yes. ever-ready buddy thing that you got bark on you. Exactly. <laughs> Except I don't duct tape <laughs> my wounds. You don't duct tape your wounds? <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, but you put super glue on it. I put super glue on mine. <laughs> Did you grow up in a family, Dick, that served and taught that and instilled that in you? Uh, my mom and dad were the most amazing pair. My dad was an elementary school principal. Uh, but very involved in church things, Sunday school mm. superintendent. He's a great gospel singer. My dad was oh. a great gospel singer of the Northwest. One of the prized pictures in our house is my dad with Billy Graham because wow. whenever wow. Graham came to the Northwest, he, he had my dad sing with him in his programs and crusades. Uh, mm. Mom was very much a servant, and uh, that's really what got me going. My folks in their 80s, Mom, when she was in her late 80s, was cooking 
for 100 people once a week at the homeless shelter down in Palm Springs. My goodness. In her late 80s for 100 people. My dad in his mid-80s, not well, was driving every day out to the shelters, taking bread and taking foods around. Uh, all morning he would drive just uh, on his own to, to make sure that the food was distributed. It mm. is hereditary with you. I suppose. No wonder you're on every board that is a board and serving at the, every shelter. Yeah. It's a way of life with us. You, you know, and I think that's so important, Dick. I, I think that's uh, part of our, our national DNA that's lost uh, many times in, in the new generations. We, we don't see the, that generational commitment to understanding that, boy, we, we need to give back to the community. And you saw your, your mom and dad model that. A lot of kids out there aren't seeing that, that model today. How, how can we help folks uh, reorient themselves to the importance of giving back to the community well, and, and being part of it? starts with role model, mm. and, uh, you know, they just have to see who we are and what we do. And when people ask me why, why am I involved in so many boards, a dozen or so, <laughs> just probably <laughs> ten too many, <laughs> uh, I simply look at them and say, yeah, you have to give back. You have to give back. It, it, Christ modeled it for us. Yes. I think, first of all, if you're not a Christian, you're not motivated to do that much. Uh, you can still see it's God and mammon, and there's still money out there to be made, even at our ages. And so right. uh, at what point does your motivation shift? You know, it's never enough. You never make enough money. And right. so at some point you just have to say it's time to – it's okay to keep making money, but it's also time to, to do it. I have a balance in my life. I've shared that with you. and. And others, and um, I have a balance in my life where I try to balance out the time I spend uh, working in business and the time I spend with my family, which is critical, and the time yeah. I spend in, in ministries. You know, Jesus was so balanced, and he, he is. Uh, you know, he is our perfect example of being balanced, and, you know, I am so not. I, you know, we, we can strive to be that, but what's the, what's the key to that, Dick? How do, you, how do you do that? The key to it is real simple. You know, I, I spoke at my church uh, last year and the message was on what they asked me to talk about what motivated me and, and I said Christ was the model it's compassion mm-hmm. uh, what motivated Christ mm-hmm. was it evangelism sure was it uh, spreading the Lord's word sure but it was also compassion how many times in the Bible is it in the gospels does it simply say and his heart was moved mm-hmm. his heart was moved and and those are the things Bob Pierce who founded World Vision said let my heart be broken with the things that break, break the heart of Christ mm-hmm. And if you're hardened and don't let your heart be broken, you're not going to want to get out in the streets and in the communities and overseas. You have to do both. You have to blend. That's also part of the blend. You have to see the world beyond Modesto, but you can't stay just overseas. You also have to see the streets of Modesto. Amen. He wept with those who wept, and he rejoiced with those who rejoiced. You have traveled everywhere. Oh, yeah. I I think my country list now is 54 and. Almost every one of them is, is ministry-related, uh, uh, but I'm, I'm not a, a dull and boring guy. When I travel for ministry, I go and have fun and do things, too. You know? <laughs> Jeff and John Grover and I went to India on a very concentrated mission trip and had time to see the Taj Mahal and ride on an elephant, but uh, we also had, had time to do the work of the Lord. So. Let's uh, let's start from now and maybe work back a little bit. Uh, you you uh, are are one of the mainstays of, of the Salvation Army. Uh, your name is almost synonymous uh, with the Salvation Army, not only here in the Central Valley but around the world as well. Let's talk about your introduction to the Salvation Army and, and what you're doing uh, for them today. 
somewhere way back we had some Salvationist uh, family, and I can vaguely remember visiting Salvation Army people who were second, third cousins in San Francisco going to some services. My dad maybe sang, but it was a very much of an arm's-length thing. Uh, when I came to Modesto, uh, young CPA struggling and getting my practice going, and a couple of gentlemen came to me, uh, Ralph Morgan, the architect, and uh, uh, a couple others, and they just said, uh, I think George Gagas, and they said, would you like to serve on the Salvation Army Board? And immediately that resonated. Mm. That was 1971. That was 39 years ago. Wow. And I've been on the Modesto Board 39 years. Somewhere along a few years later, I was asked if I'd like to serve on the National Board. And so I really didn't know what that meant, uh, but I said, sure, if it's Army. And so I went off to New York and, and sat in on my first meeting. I immediately found I was in way over my head. Most of the members, well, Edsel Ford is recently our board chairman, and uh, uh, board chairman now is one of the managing directors of uh, Goldman Sachs. Uh, there's bank presidents and international leaders. Marilyn Quayle, the vice president's wife, was on there. Ross Perot's wife was the chairman of my committee. And I finally looked at the colonel. I said, Colonel, this is terrific. What am I doing here? <laughs> he said, Dick, we needed balance. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I work at it. And, and I probably work harder at that board than any of those important people. And I guess that's the balance I bring, an enthusiasm and a willingness to work. And, and I go out and meet with local boards. Most of those board people, national board people, are too busy for that. But that's how I got involved in Stockton. I'm now the, I am now the chairman of the rehab center in Stockton, the Salvation wow. Army, because I simply went up there to try and get their, their board going. And in the process of building up their board, they put me on the board and made me chairman, which I really didn't want. I didn't need that. But, but you know, God calls you to do stuff, you, you, you have to do it. It has to be a calling, doesn't it? Dick? Yeah, it really yes, does. It, it really does. And, and being on all these boards, what, what words of wisdom do you have? Oh, you know, in the current Fortune magazine, which is on the newsstands, I was going to bring a copy, didn't. Your listeners wouldn't have been able to see it anyway. <laughs> There's a picture on the cover of Bill Gates and his wife, Melinda, and Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett is arguably the richest man in the world. Men of the certainly those two, those three are the richest people in our country. And inside there's a profile that well it talks about Warren Buffett's challenge to America. He said every rich person in America needs to give half, half of their wealth away to charity. I wish Warren were a Christian. Uh, he's quite a secular man, but he's got a big heart and he's big in education as the Gateses are. But then he said a really interesting thing. After he talked about the money, which is important, he said a really interesting thing in a sidebar article. They asked him, what really is on your heart? And he said, for me, my most precious asset. Are you ready for this? What do you think Warren Buffett's most precious asset is? What is it? My personal time. Wow. Mm. And he mm. said, I have to commit myself and work hard to give away my time. And he said, that's what we need to convince our next generation is to how do we get them to share their wealth, which they don't have much of right now, but how do they recognize the most valuable thing that they possess? The richest man in the world, the most valuable thing he possesses, his personal time. What a profound. And he thing. said, that's what I want to give. That's what I want to give. I want to give my time. To help others, it's almost easier to throw money at something. It's a lot if you have easier it, than if you to have actually it, be part of it, right? If you have it, giving money can almost be a, an ego thing. You know, if you have it, it's easy to write checks and it's easy to feel good about it. It's easy to get your name on the 
on the brick going in or on the wall going out and all that, but, but giving your time and giving of yourself. And then, and then the other aspect of giving your time, I, I never go in the Salvation Army facility without seeking out the staff and giving them hugs. Mm. I noticed they got a big hug from Elaine when I came in today. Thank you, Elaine. Oh, that's, thank that's, you. That's my kind of entry. Oh, I love it. And when I go into Salvation Elaine has a degree in hugging. <laughs> I like it. I, I may have been her professor in college. <laughs> I wish you could have been. But uh, it's important that those people feel loved. Mm. And when I went to the last... Uh, Last week when I went to the rehab center for our board meeting last Thursday, I made it a point to go down the mail line and tap some of the guys on the shoulder. And some of them I know now. I, I, I took a weekend a couple uh, last month and took a group of the guys from the rehab center up to Calaveras Big Trees for an outing, spent the day with them, and gave them a, my classic nature lecture. And all those guys uh, who never would look me in the eye at previous times, now they all came mm. out of the line and came over and gave me a hug. And it's just that little tiny mm. moment of reaching out, being a part of somebody. So important. To yeah. Them. It means a yeah. lot. You know, thinking of uh, Warren Buffett's comment there, I think Christ had similar advice to Zacchaeus uh, back there at, at some point, and, and the rich young ruler as well. You know, it's, uh, it's not our stuff. It really is under under God's control, but uh, oftentimes it's it's hard to get that balance. Of, it's really hard. Yeah, and and you mentioned the uh, you know the 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 family time as well, and I think uh, for many of us in in vocational ministry, that is a constant battle uh, because our wives and our our kids beca- can become widows and orphans uh, to the ministry, and so to balance that is very very important because sometimes you feel guilty. Oh, you're you're in need. Okay, well, I I, I guess I, I got to help you. But you know, um, I remember um, Josh McDowell a couple of years ago was visiting here in in Modesto, and I was supposed to take care of him that morning. I was a staff pastor at the time, and you know, taking care of Josh McDowell oh, is wow. like trying to oil a buzz saw. You know, I mean, <laughs> the guy is pretty pretty amazing. And, and so anyway, he was sitting across from me, and, and he said, uh, "So, Mike, um, how's your marriage?" I said, well, what is he know something I don't know? I said, oh, it's okay. Fine. You know? And he says, oh, okay. He says, uh, so he says, let, 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 let me give you a piece of wisdom. He says, never let your family come before your ministry. And I thought, that, that doesn't sound right. I said, why? He says, never let your family come before your ministry. And he paused a couple of minutes to make me sit there and sweat. And then he said, but, squirm a little bit. Squirm. And he says, but remember, Mike, your family is your first ministry. You bet. Always your first you ministry. And, uh, that, that's, that, 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 that's a tough balance to hit, I think, in, in, especially in today's world. When I raised my kids, uh, I had two daughters. We took four boys from an orphanage from Mexico into our home and raised them along with our family. Uh, the orphanage was down in Baja, California, 100 miles south of the border. My kids said at one time, at one point, my kids said several interesting things. One, they said, we didn't know that Christmas and Thanksgiving wasn't meant to go to Mexico and stay with the orphanage kids. Mm. We thought those holidays were at mm. the orphanage with mm. the kids. And my, I made my kids get out and interact totally at the orphanage. The second thing is that uh, at some point when my boys finally got big enough and grown and graduated out, I said to my daughter, I said, well, how are things? And my daughter said, it's just nice to have my own bedroom mm. and not have to share it with my sister. <laughs> but see, you involve the family in it, and it they, they, becomes a part of their life. It doesn't become a duty. It doesn't become a burden. It doesn't become an expectation. It's just a part of their life. You know, I think so often in, in today's uh, churches, Dick, we, we treat giving of ourselves a local mission 
as a checkoff thing. I, nope, I did it at Thanksgiving this year. I did it at Christmas. I'm done for the year, you know. Yeah. And it really becomes an add-on thing. And, and But, you know, what Christ gave us, uh, the mandate that he gave us, was to make that an integral part of our lifestyle, serving others. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the other adventures you've, you've uh, had over, around the world in, in ministry. Well, what kind of adventures would you like to hear about? The ones you like been, to well, share? I, I started out early, early with Dr. Benson at Medical Ambassadors. Mm. Uh, can remember going to Central America with him back into the really back country. I remember riding on a, on a big old heavy two-ton truck full of beans uh, and sitting on top of the beans for a whole afternoon riding on a dusty road to, to visit a clinic, getting involved out there and seeing a terrible problem between the local missionary and the church mm. and able to sit in with them for an afternoon and mediate that and, and bring peace and see those guys hug each other. It was something that I was able to, with God's grace, also God gave me a, you talk about speaking in tongues. Uh, my Spanish isn't very good. My wife's from Mexico. My, I have my foster sons. My Spanish isn't very good. For that afternoon, I was fluent. Is that right, really? Never have had that fluency again. Wow. So I think speaking in tongues is a, it's a very interesting thing, and I've had the gift of tongues one day. Yeah. One wow. day. With Dr. Benson also going to uh, Haiti, working at the clinic. Mm. We had a clinic at Capation. Uh, because I raised cows, I knew how to give shots. The girls in the clinic discovered that the first morning. I gave shots for 10 days to people. It's uh, no different than giving it to a cow, believe it or not. Uh, and I dealt with... Uh, it's all in the wrist, right? It's all in the wrist. <laughs> I, I, t- I tallied later, I probably gave 200 people injections. My goodness. Uh, Pretty skinny people. It's hard not to hit bones, mm. but it's fascinating. And dealt with a lot of infections and did a lot of triaging in the clinic. So did that kind of work. I do a lot of teaching. Some of my background's teaching. I taught Cal State University for three years. And so when I go, I'm usually asked to teach. I work now with seminaries uh, a lot and um, usually asked to teach and help them. My teaching areas that I can really help them with are in fundraising and in governance. Governance is a critical word these days. How do you run your organization, and that's something I've specialized in. I'm writing a book. Yay. I rolled my eyes. You can't that see that. That means we get to do another show with you. <laughs> yes. I have a big folder full of stuff in there, and at some point i got to sit down and bring it together because governance needs to be addressed in a, in a logical, workable way. There are good books and now out on governance, but somebody needs to put it down really practically. Here's mm. how you run your organization, mm. and, and uh, here's how you work with your board. Here's how you interface with all these new ideas that are coming along. And so those are some of the areas. I, I don't know. You want to hear about my racing cars and flying planes? Well, oh, we're we're going to do that in just a minute. I, I imagine that that would be uh, very, very interesting. And we'll talk about that. You know, we were talking about all of the uh, the holidays. You, you mentioned Christmas and, and Thanksgiving. And, of course, this week we celebrate Independence Day. And I know that that's uh, a very loved holiday with you, Dick, as it is with us as well. And and uh, for our listeners, we just, uh, you know, what a wonderful, what a wonderful holiday as we celebrate and we uh, just rejoice over the freedom and the, the wonderful values that our country uh, was built upon. We hope that our listeners enjoy along with us this week's special song selection and, and, and just th- that you enjoyed as much as we enjoy bringing it to you. Um, during this week of our Independence Day celebration. This is Phil Stacy's song. It's called Old Glory here on Lighthouse Live. And we'll be back with lots more with our dear brother and friend, uh, Dick Haggerty, right after this. In the midnight hour I see her 
Waving proudly through the night The stars and stripes she bears Are a glorious sight She represents all the heroes Who couldn't stand to see her fall They represent this great nation And remind us all There is still a land of freedom And a home for the brave A nation under God Where justice reigns There's a country united However different we may be We can walk a little taller when we see Courage all can see That brings hope and peace to some And others to their knees There is power in her presence And a calm within her way And if you listen closely You can hear
Old Glory. That's Phil Stacy on Lighthouse Live with Pastor Mike, Elaine, and Dick Haggerty. I love that's that. That's got to be a sleeper hit. Isn't, uh, isn't it that amazing? Wonderful. wonderful. You know, it kind of reminds me that uh, Christ tells us in Galatians uh, chapter 5, which we've been looking at lately, Christ has set us free hmm. to live a free life, and we enjoy that freedom here today still so we just uh we enjoy that and so we hope that you enjoyed that song with us as well dick we were talking earlier about the balance uh that that we try to achieve between giving of ourselves giving to our family uh giving to the community and uh, you you've done a lot of research a lot of reading a lot of teaching on uh, on giving and not only just money, but uh, of your time, your talent, your, your your treasure. Let's talk a little bit about what you've learned over the years uh, about giving and uh, the stewardship of what God has given us. Sure. When you teach uh, giving and sharing uh, from a compassionate standpoint, you have to remind people that it's easy to write a check for some people. Um, but you have to divide your, your assets, your physical assets, into here and now. What can I write checks every month? What can I write checks at year end? And what am I going to leave? Uh, I have a, a precept, and Buffett, bless his heart, we'll come back to Warren Buffett again. Mm-hmm. He said, uh, I'm not going to leave my kids a lot of money. He said, I gave them each a billion dollars. That's a B, billion. <laughs> a couple of years ago to set up a, a, a foundation. And the foundation, I expect them to set it up for charitable purposes, and I want to see how they do with that billion dollars but he said the other hundred billion that i have i want to i want to give it all away mm. and i don't want to dwell on buffett today but that's a good mm. point i tell my kids i'm not going to leave you in my will now that's a not totally true i hope they're not listening today <laughs> well i hope they are listening actually but i tell my kids i'm going to leave the bulk of my estate to the lord's work mm. and I will take care of you in your lifetime. I've set up a family partnership, and they have some reasonable assets in there. I've helped them each to buy a house. Uh, of course, in this market, that hasn't been the greatest thing ever, but uh, mm-hmm. that's that's one of my businesses, by the way. That's real estate. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, I think that the here and now giving has to be balanced against the estate giving. But to some great degree, I, I don't think it's fair to hold our money till we die and then leave it all to the Lord. There's some wise... People have actually said, if you have to hang on to it till you die, God doesn't really want it. Mm. <laughs> I'm not sure I believe that. Oh. I think he still wants it, but I think he'd a lot rather have it when you're alive. Mm. If you have to wait till you're gone, don't leave it to your kids. I have yet to, I'm like Diogenes searching for the honest man. I have yet to see the kid that has been a better person because they got left money. Mm. I haven't seen one. We there, need to rethink that, don't we? Yeah. yeah. There may be one out there somewhere. Mm. And so... Here and now giving, giving in your estate, and how are you going to balance your estate, and finally, the giving of our time. And we talked about that. And those are the balances that I think are so critical. Yeah, but I think that we, we don't give enough attention to that estate. We, we try too hard to beat the tax man with our estate planning. The easiest way to beat the tax man with our estate planning is leave it all to advancing vibrant communities. We <laughs> agree. <laughs> And, and like my that. church, and my church, <laughs> <laughs> and then we talk about balance. I've got everybody smiling in here. They smile a lot in this room. We do. I think it's critical that no matter how much we do believe in advancing vibrant communities, that we have to pay attention to our 
local church. We yes. can't sure. short yes. our church. Absolutely. It all starts with the church. Mm-hmm. The church is the centrality of our Christian faith. And so we have to give to our church. But then I think we have to identify other places as well. I teach, huh, when I was at True Light, Greater True Light Church, we Baptist Church, them. Pastor Charlie had me teach yes. the new members class on giving. And I went in and I sat down and I looked them all in the eye, a big group of new, new members, and I said, now listen. I said, I don't believe in tithing. And they all rolled their eyes. And I said, I don't believe in tithing because I think it's limiting. I think tithing may be a good place to start, but when you give beyond the tithing, that's when giving really is important. Class over, everybody ran out, ran to Charlie and said, oh, Charlie, Charlie, Dick, don't believe in, in tithing. That's not what, <laughs> what I, I said. said. But it's a good place to start, but you have to give more. And to me, you're blessed. And I don't believe in prosperity gospel, and I don't believe in prosperity. I don't believe you're, you're paid back by the Lord for how much you give. I absolutely don't believe that. But I get my blessings by giving of my time and of my treasure and I would not have the blessed life I have internally if it weren't for my giving mm. of what we've been talking about. So that's that's the critical part. And then you have to balance it against what what are your own goals. And you have to give and support the things that you believe in. And I've worked up my own personal criteria. And I basically I give to organizations that do what I believe in mm-hmm. and are motivated to do the things that I am believing in, which are compassion and leadership and evangelism. And then I believe that you have to give to organizations that are effective. Mm. Mm-hmm. And finally, I see you want to say something. One more verse. One more one more word here. Finally, I think strategic giving is critical. And you have to give to organizations that might not exist without you. And I think rather than giving a lot of small gifts, which I'm guilty of doing, you ought to bundle your gifts and give them a few places so that you can really be effective and it can really be strategic. Strategic giving is, I think, the new model in in giving. And Mm. people out there who are thinking about giving to 100 different places ought to bundle it all together and give it to Pastor Mike so that (laughs) AVC can keep going here. How's that? Amen. (laughs) Let's have Dick on next week, too. uh, I tell you, he's going to be president someday or something. Oh, I love it. You know, you you were talking about strategic giving, and I I think that is so important. I think it's part of good stewardship of of God's resources that Mm -hmm. he's given us. You know, there there are a, a plethora of organizations, especially in today's media. You've got the Internet, uh, you've got email, and and we're barraged, uh, television, you name it. You're, we're barraged by um, media access of, of fine-sounding organizations. And, uh, and, and it's very easy to be overcome by the one that has the slickest marketing uh, campaign. And, and yet, uh, we need to, to lift the cover, we need to lift the hood up on the car and take a look underneath. Dick, how do you recommend people do that? Uh, what what do they need to look for? Is you know maybe they see on the internet or maybe they hear on television a, a ministry or a, or a nonprofit that's uh, claiming to do well. What what should should they do to? What should they look for in order to make sure that their money is being used effectively and used well? Buffett has a great line. Sorry, I keep coming back to Buffett, that's but he's okay. just amazing. Right. He says, "Judge programs by how they fit with my personal goals." And their chances for success, not by who makes the request. Mm. And I think that's really critical. And he says, focus your funds and energy on a relatively few activities in which one can make an important difference. Concentrate your your resources on needs that would not be met without your efforts. Wow. And those are 
Those are the kind of things. Now, that didn't really answer your question. Your question was, what's, how do you evaluate what to give? I think we give to those that are effective. I think we give to those that are efficiently run. I see so many ministries that don't have a board or don't have an effective board. And I look at them and I just wonder for all their good goodness that they have in them, they've got to be effectively run and they have to be properly uh, governed. Governance is a critical word these days. And uh, governance of the ministry, if it doesn't have a good board, and I know some of your board members and they're good guys. I, I look at a board. You and I both sit on the FEMA, EFSP, federal granting money. Uh, in my 20 years on there, I've given away about $10, 15000000 million. It's been a lot of fun, federal money. It's all ours, but it's that's okay. And I don't know what you look at in the package. We get a package with about 20, 25 different uh, big, agencies. Big, package. Big, big yes, package. You've seen it, Elaine. I have. And in that package, in that package is a board roster. And I read every, first thing I read is the board roster. Mm-hmm. Now you're going to say, well, Dick, that's not very bright. Why don't you read what the organization is doing? I want to know who has lined up and endorsed that organization and who is behind them before. Then I do go on to those other issues. But who's behind it and who's there? Who's stepping up and saying, I'm a part of this? If Bob Bob Gallo is stepping up and saying, I'm a part of this, I know it has integrity Mm because Bob Gallo is a man of great integrity. Mm -hmm. If if a local pastor here in town who I admire, Mike Douglas, Mike Douglas, I've known Mike for quite a while, and I know, you know, if Mike Douglas' name was on there, it's okay. Mm -hmm. I would hope, I would hope that people would look at rosters and say, Richard Haggerty, Richard G. Haggerty, Dick Haggerty, however it says, is on there, that's a good stamp of approval. Yes. That's step one. Step two is how effective are they in in what they're getting done? Are they they making a difference? Are they making a difference? And I look at great organizations that are just really do good, and I don't see what difference they're making. Mm. I got a mailing last week from, I I hate to say this, but I'm going to, it's from the March of Dimes. And they had a dime glued to the, a real dime, glued to the appeal. And it said, you know, we cured, wasn't it polio? We cured polio, but, but let's, here we're going to do some more stuff. And I think to myself, you cured polio. Why didn't you quit and turn your list over to somebody like the Cancer Society? By the way, I had cancer 21 years ago. I think I'm going to be okay. <laughs> but, you know, I believe in, in going where, where, where it's needed. And and I don't think mission agencies and nonprofits ought to exist simply for the sake of existing. Mm, yes. You know, in Ecclesiastes 3, the wisest man that ever lived, Solomon, said something about there's a season for every activity under heaven, yes, a time is. to be born and a time to die. And yes, there is. I think that not only, not only applies to us personally and our, our, our bodies, but it applies to, I think, uh, organizations in, in, as well in, in, in ministry efforts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- there's a season. God provides uh, a resource sometimes for a season. And one of the most important things I think we need to do is recognize when that season may be in its twilight and it's time to accept an, a, a new assignment. And I think probably as, as givers, we need to be cognizant of that as well as we're evaluating or, or other organizations. Mm-hmm. You know, is the organization meeting to meet, or are they rolling something out in the streets that's that's really making a difference? In yeah, the, are in you the making an impact? Mm-hmm. Yes. And then the yes. second part of that: are you making an impact for the kingdom? 
There you yeah. go. I think that there you yes. go. I think a yeah. lot of people do good in the community. There's people that feed hungry and there's mm. people that take care of. But are we doing it in the name of Christ? Mm. That's why I'm in the Salvation and Army. And for His Sim- glory. Simple answer. Oh yeah, Peace Corps. Who cares who gets the credit? Peace Corps fabulous, but I I couldn't spend my time in the Peace Corps because they don't go in the name of Christ. Mm. Yes. And and. I go because of my compassion. I taught a class yesterday at my church, big class, adult class on Islam. And I said, one of the distinctive differences between Christianity and Islam. In Islam, they do compassion. It's one of the five pillars, one of the five requirements. But they do compassion because it is a requirement. And we do compassion as Christians because Christ modeled it. And we do it out of love. They do it out of duty. We do it out of love. What a big difference. It's that legalism grace thing that we've yeah. well, been talking and about. And I think and as you look at uh, other religions around the world, Christianity is, is the only one where serving, washing the feet of the city, loving your, your neighbor as yourself flows out of your love for mm-hmm. God and mm-hmm. your love for Christ instead of working your way to heaven. Mike, it's the only one based on love. That's right. It's the only one that has the word grace. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Those are the distinctives. That's what I left with my class yesterday. We can talk all day about Muhammad. Let's talk about grace. Absolutely. And just as he placed, you mentioned heaven, eternity in our hearts, didn't he place that charity also in our hearts as well? Mm -hmm. I love that. Let's talk about uh, partnerships. And I want to pick on one that I, I think is near and dear to your heart uh, with the Salvation Army, the Barbarian Homeless Shelter and Transitional uh, Living Facility. We recruit churches and individuals all the time mm-hmm. to, to feed uh, the homeless there. Great example of partnering. I know it didn't start out. Uh, it, it has kind of morphed uh, as, as time went on. But I think it's a wonderful example of, of partnerships between the faith-based community and uh, doing its best to partner with government uh, to make things happen. And it's not always a, a perfect world, but uh, I, I think in, in today's society, especially here in, in Stanislaus County, a lot of good partnerships going on and, and a willingness to work with government and other agencies to make things happen. Let's talk a little bit about the, the genesis of, of the homeless shelter and, uh, and the impact that it's having today. Well, let's talk about uh, the, the board down there. The board, uh, the board at the homeless shelter has Mike Douglas's name on it. A little <laughs> disclosure right. here because he yes. called me about uh, nine months ago and said, is this a good idea? And I said, Michael, you have no higher calling than to serve on that. <laughs> I, I do my Amen. due diligence, yes, too, my Yes, friend. you do. You did indeed. Amen. Uh, you know, it all started with a chance call from the Barbarian family. I've been involved with them for a long time through real estate things, and they said, uh, you know, we know you're on the board, and we uh, have looked, and we have a piece of property down there, a building, and we know there's people sleeping on the streets. Do you think you could use this to make people get off the streets at night? Bless her heart, Janice Keating uh, stepped up and helped. She didn't quite do as much as she said in her book that she sent out, but she was very helpful. <laughs> Enough said. And um, and between federal money, state, city money actually came up first, and county money and some federal money, we were able to open that dismal, dismal old drafty mm-hmm. warehouse. Yes. The first five years, we had a big room with 120 beds in it, and right down the middle we had a yellow line painted and an 8 by 10 piece of paper on one wall, handwritten, women. 
On the other wall, men. And three proctors sitting all night at a table in the dim light watching down the yellow line to make sure it got respected. Now we have a really state-of-the-art place. The state gave us a million dollars. They're on the verge of giving us a second million. And we're putting up people, and, and it really has worked. And it's been a, it's been a partnership with the city, the county, the state. Even though the state doesn't have much money, these, this isn't a designated money fund that they have. And there's federal monies, and it's, it's terrific. It is. Uh, hearing uh, Major Darwin Carpenter talk right. would warm your heart. Because yes. he, you know, when I, I hadn't seen it for a while, I, because my last memory of being down there and serving a little bit was the yellow line and you know, the proctor <laughs> on each side. And then it transformed into this beautiful f- facility. And Major Carpenter says, you know, I want the visitors here to feel loved. And, and that we really yes. care for them. So he says, I, I don't want them getting out of bed and stepping on a cold, hard floor. We, we wouldn't sell, settle for that at home. Uh, I, I want some carpet there, you know, so that when they put their feet down coming out a bit, they, they, they've got some carpet under their feet. I want a nightstand, you know, with a lamp on it. And uh, really, when, when you look at the facility right now, it goes beyond just giving a person a place to sleep. We, you, they, they really created a, 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 a place of love. You know, I mean, if you come and stay there, I think you can say that you're being loved, you know, Absolutely. by the body of Christ. Absolutely. And the most important thing we give you physically, we give you a shower and a clean pair yes, of socks. That's a right. clean pair of socks. Every day, a clean pair of socks for everybody that goes out the door. Think about that in the winter. Just have a clean pair of socks. Some of those guys have worn those socks for a year. That's right. You know, this is incredible, Dick. For those who are listening, not only here locally, but around the world, to what's happening in Modesto, California, what encouragement and what? how can volunteers who are listening, how can they contribute to the ongoing and facilitate that this continues uh, to keep this going and to contribute to the needs of the facility, what can they do if they're sitting at home saying they need socks? Do they do they can they continue to give toward this efforts, toward to these efforts, socks and supplies toward the uh, toward the center? We feed a hot dinner every night, yes. which is volunteer fed mm-hmm. every night. Always volunteer. And we what a feed. blessing that is! If anyone's ever done this, yeah. it is tremendous. It is terrific. We give little little breakfast, mini breakfasts in the morning before they hit the street. No other homeless shelter does that, but we do. And clothes, good quality clothes. Yes. Don't dump your clothes. Oh. If you got good quality clothes, wash them and at least fold them and list what they are. For goodness' and, sakes, and yes. bring them down cataloged and and bring them to the shelter and they will say no you need to take them someplace else and say dick haggerty said bring them here for the homeless <laughs> that happened this week to a <laughs> friend of mine and uh, we would love to get that but we just all kinds of volunteers we we have book we have a library down there we need somebody to help us sort out that library i just got a whole truckload of books donated from stockton arc but we need we need people that can sort books. We need people that can help. You know, half the people sit in the evening and read and don't watch TV. That Homeless is people. Wonderful. They sit on their beds reading rather than watching some doofus TV program. Well, Dick, uh, God's time is eternity. Unfortunately, ours isn't. We're bumping the clock a little bit. I have <laughs> that means about. We have uh, to bring you back, brother. <laughs> have about 90 yes. seconds left. Uh, what, what's your last parting words to, to folks to inspire them to give of their time, their treasure, yes. and their talent? I think at looking back on a lifetime, I came to Modesto in 1967, so I guess that's 43 years ago. Looking back, um, 
the f- fulfillment of what I've done in town is simply by what I've been able to help others. Mm. Salvation Army, our, our main word, our greatest gift, honor we give to people in the community is simply the word others, the others award. And we just need to think of others. And if you think of others, that's what Christ did. He always had others on his mind. So that's as simple as I can say it. Amen. And for you and Teresa and your family, God bless you. How can we pray for you and and uh, during this season of your lives? What uh, what can we do there? Just to keep organized, keep focused, and someday to get the discipline to finish off that book. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I, you I get that book, I feel guilty about that book. I can write a column every month from the SOB, <laughs> yes, yes, but I can't get that book done. <laughs> and safety hi- climbing half dome, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. I'll, I'll make that. Uh, great. Again, our guest today, Dick Haggerty, and God has used him just uh, tremendously around the world for many, many years. If you'd like more information from Dick, why, why don't you give us a call or email us, uh, 209-544-9571. That's 209-544-9571. You can email us at info at vibrantcommunities.org. That's info at vibrantcommunities.org. And check our daily update page at vibrantcommunities.org. Hit the little, hit the little red flashing daily gizmo will take it right to our daily update page and let you know how you can serve your community have a very happy fourth of july wherever you are happen to be listening and uh, thank you once again dick haggerty for joining us on this special broadcast of lighthouse live and join us again next time may god continue to bless you 